0: You're listening to the Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at South Christ Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Hey, man, we got, we got a pretty good worship team. Amen. Like, man, so grateful for, for what they do, so gifted. Man, bless me, part of it. Hey, how many of you have been whitewater rafting before? Raise your hand if you don't mind. Yeah, oh, man, some excitement about it, too. I like it. Um, you know, it's funny when you're whitewater rafting, the guide is in the back, the river guide, and uh, one of their jobs, him or her, is to call out bump if there's something in the river that maybe you wouldn't see, right? And it's always funny to me, it never fails. I've been, I, I should have counted it, several times with high school, college students, and. Um, it never fails, you'll be in like a, a soft, uh, placid, is that the right word, like calm part of the river and someone's not paying attention. And sure enough, there's some random rock and as calm as the river is, uh, the river guy will say bump and someone ignores them because they're like, yeah, whatever. And they always fall out, you know what I'm talking about? That always happens. There's always someone that falls out. It's like, how did you make it through class four, maybe class five rapids, but you fell out on the flat part, right? Like, how does that happen? Some of that is again because they're ignoring the river guide when they guide when they say bump because there is some obstruction, some bump they weren't expecting. Well, today and even the next week, we're going to be in the wisdom literature. Go ahead and turn if you have your Bible to the book of Proverbs. What's cool about Proverbs in the wisdom literature is it kind of serves, Proverbs particularly, kind of serves as a river guide to the river of life. Meaning, it's like a song, River of Life. Is that a song? Probably not. Circle of Life? Circle of Life, that's a song. Liking. Um, by the way, the new one was not as good as the old one, I'm just saying, okay? Anyways, the pro- Proverbs kind of serve as a river guide to call out bump in those areas where if you're not paying attention, you don't listen to, in this case, Solomon, you're going to get thrown out of the boat for a little bit. It's gonna throw you off course. So the Proverbs help us navigate the river of life and not be displaced or plunged into the abyss of making mistakes. A couple of things I want to, us to note about Proverbs as we, before we dive into some text, a few things. First of all, and these are gonna be on the screen for you, I have way more slides than normal. But the first one is that um, Proverbs was mostly written by King Solomon. What's interesting about that is, God gave Solomon wisdom, but if you know the story of Solomon, he also messed up a whole lot, like a whole lot. And the reality is if you're willing to humble yourself, you can learn from your mistakes. And that's often where wisdom comes from. So written by King Solomon. Um, Why should you read the Proverbs? I think that's a fair question. Um, Look with me, if you're in Proverbs, look at chapter one, verse one. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. And if you're like, well, I'm not really young and I feel like I already have some wisdom. Well, verse five is for you. (laughs) Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. If you wanna have wisdom, you wanna learn how to live a righteous, just life, then Proverbs is for you. Does anyone anyone wanna have those things? I wanna have those things. I've had people ask like, man, Proverbs is the Old Testament, why study it? That right there is enough for me to say, I wanna read the Proverbs. I wanna grow in those things. Now, where, I think a good question that verse seven is going to tell us is where does wisdom begin? So if you read the next verse from what we just read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here's the idea. If you don't fear God, then you actually just accumulate knowledge. And we know from the New Testament that knowledge just puffs up. Right? It just makes one prideful, knowledge on its own, by itself. So the idea here is that, I dear, the idea here is that a person who fears the Lord is a wise person. And that's where wisdom begins, in the, fearing God. The fool doesn't fear God and therefore they despise wisdom. They, they're like, God's a joke, I'm not gonna take it seriously. So there are no ramifications for how I live so I'm going to ignore God. So I think because of that, this is an obvious conclusion. That is, here's what wisdom is. I have this on the screen for you. What is wisdom? Wisdom is applying what you know to everyday life. Wisdom is applying what you know to everyday life. So it's actually doing something about the knowledge that you have. So this is why students lean in for a second, really everybody, but especially students, just because someone has a PhD doesn't mean you should listen to them. Now in class, like listen to them. Okay. Like I have some professors in here, I wanna be careful, right? Listen to them. But just because they have a PhD doesn't mean they have wisdom. Track it with me? Wisdom is taking what you know, taking what is true, what you find in scripture and actually doing something about it, actually living it out. The fool can know a lot, but doesn't do anything about it. Two more things I wanna look at before, before we dive into some text. I actually had a friend one time ask me, Um, And he later was like, dude, I shouldn't have even asked. That That was a silly question. But he asked, the Proverbs aren't really about the gospel. What what do the Proverbs have to do with the good news of Jesus that I'm a broken sinner and in spite of that, he came and died in my place and rose again so I could have hope and forgiveness and purpose and love and eternal life. What do the Proverbs have to do with that? Uh, I wanna say three things about that because I think it's, my friend and I later talked about it. It's kind of a silly question for three reasons. I think they're on the screen. First one being, God cares about how you live. He does care about how you live. So there's kind of this idea in modern Christianity, or at least in the States, in America, that it's about Jesus, it's about the gospel, oh, it's about salvation and love, but how you live, God doesn't really care. That's, that's from Satan. If you look at the New Testament epistles so often, especially Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the first couple chapters, will talk about what the gospel is. And then the latter chapters, the latter portions of the book, Romans is very similar as well, though it gives much more focus on the theology and what the gospel is. It, Paul always finishes with, so because of Jesus, because the gospel is true, here's what your life should look like. So the gospel should change your life. If having a relationship with Jesus, if you say you know the love of Christ, if this not changed your life, then you don't know the love of Christ it should change you from the inside out. So God does care about how you live. The second thing I would say in response to what does this have to do with the gospel before actually answering it, the second thing I would say is, God is a good God who wants you to make the most of life. He's a good God who wants you to make the most of life. I think about like a simple example. So scripture so often describes God as our heavenly father. I think about my kids, I want them to make the most of life. I want them to know they're loved, but also I wanna give them wisdom to navigate life, right? Parents, you, you understand that, that metaphor of a river guide, and you're trying to call out bump to your kiddos when there's a bump coming, or you want them to paddle harder in this certain area of their life. You're like a river guide, and in a similar fashion, our Heavenly Father is that for us. He cares about how you live your life and that you live a full, healthy life. God created this world. He created you. He knows how it best functions. So I also, you could say, I think Proverbs is kind of a map for our, our, like the instruction manual on how to live life in the world that God created. All right, number three on what does this have to do with the gospel? And I'll finally kind of answer that. The Proverbs will point you to Jesus in three ways. Now I don't have these three on the screen, uh, but three ways that the Proverbs will point you to Jesus. The first one, The Proverbs will show you your need for the gospel. The Proverbs show you your need for the gospel. Again, the gospel being that Jesus came and died in your place because you're a broken sinner and so am I. How do they do that? How do the Proverbs show us our need for the gospel, show us our need for Jesus? Well, as you're reading the Proverbs, you're gonna quickly realize, uh. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> like it talks about controlling your tongue and being careful with what you say or uh, being honest about everything or controlling your eyes, not, ha- not being a lustful person, controlling your anger. You're gonna read through those and quickly be like, uh, I messed up. <laughs> like the 10 commandments is one thing. Proverbs, like I can't, I struggle with these all the time. I remember one time I was memorizing a proverb. I should have, I just thought about this right now. But, um, and it talked about like not uh, the fool only wants to share his own opinion, doesn't listen to what the other person has to say. And I remember one time I was so mad because I thought someone here I was working with was doing that. I was like, man, he just cares about his own opinion. He's not listening to what anyone says. And I I remember I went over, I was fixing to go to his office and by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit stopped me and was like, bro, bro, you're doing the same thing. (laughs) It was me, I was guilty of it. In that moment, I realized I need the gospel. I need grace. I need forgiveness. Proverbs will teach you that. When you read them with a humble heart. Second way it points you to Jesus, it rem- they remind you of the perfection of Jesus. So as you read the Proverbs, realize Jesus perfectly lived out every single one of these truths. Every single, if you want to see them as commandments, so they're not exactly commandments. If you want to see them as that, Jesus perfectly lived these truths out. So where you fall short, he lives perfectly. They remind you of the perfection of Jesus. And the third one Quickly, they teach you to depend on Jesus. The Proverbs teach you to depend on Jesus. Again, this is all under the heading of what does this have to do with the gospel? They teach you to depend on Jesus. What I mean is, as you're reading through, let's just pick, um, this one's highlighted, so I'll just read it. Uh, This is Proverbs 12, 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So I realized quickly, Lord, I'm often prideful. I'm often right in my own eyes. I have trouble listening to other people and thinking that, man, I should get their insight too. God, would you help me to do that? They teach me to depend on Jesus and that Holy Spirit. I can't can't live out these truths. I can't live life as you designed it to be if you don't help me. I gotta have your help. So they teach you to depend on Jesus. All right, almost to get the text. Two more quick things. How do you read it? How do you read the Proverbs? Like a treasure chest, like a treasure chest. So this is, I love this about Proverbs. And you can use several different metaphors. Maybe more than any other book, the book of Proverbs, you can, again, I don't recommend reading the Bible this way, but you could flip open, find one single verse and look at that verse almost like its own ruby or its own diamond. We always want to pay attention to context in Scripture. What's before it? What's after it? What's the historical and literary context? But Proverbs, I was, there's not a but. And Proverbs is a little unique in that every verse almost is its own little gem. Does that make sense? If you treat the Gospels that way, you'd be super confused. Teach the pro, to to look at the pro, uh, excuse me, the prophets that way, you'd be super confused. But the Proverbs, you can typically, like I just did. You can find one verse and it's one little gem. So take it out like a treasure chest and look at that. One of my professors described it as, think of each proverb as a little piece of hard candy. And what do you do with the hard candy? You put it in your mouth and if you're smart, you don't don't chew it up like that, right? You put it in your mouth and you enjoy it and you savor it, and get all the juice, juice, maybe not juice, but um, you get all the flavor out, right? You get all that you can out of it. Read the Proverbs that way. Read a chapter, find one proverb, man, and just... Let it marinate, let it melt in your mouth. It's really, really good. I kind of got away from the treasure chest metaphor, but y'all are with me, right? Okay, don't do that with a diamond, that's weird. Um, so read like a treasure chest. And one last thing I would say, look for themes. So if you've got all these different uh, rubies and diamonds and pieces of gold, what I wanna know where the gold at, scattered throughout this treasure chest of Proverbs, you are going to find themes where, okay, so he says this and this and this and this about gossip, or he says these five things about anger, and it's cool to look, okay, here's, that is a little bit more of a topical approach, but you're saying these are all very clearly things that are said about whatever this topic is, what does he say about it? What is the theme? So here's what we're going to do today. We, We are going to look at the theme of friendship. That's why our title was stick with me the theme of friendship. We're gonna look at four different Proverbs pretty quickly. We'll walk through them and see what we learned about friendship. Would you all agree with me that friendships can be some, they can provide some of your greatest joys in life and also some of your greatest hurts. How often have we been pumped about a new friendship or excited about just connecting with someone And how often have we been discouraged or hurt by maybe a lack of friendship or by the way a friend treated us? Wouldn't it be really cool if God gave us some keys for how to have good friendships? That'd be so cool. And you know what? He did. (laughs) It's in the book of Proverbs. He gives us some keys to navigating friendship. The first one I want you to look at is turn to Proverbs chapter 13, chapter 13, verse 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This is so simple but so true and so important. I'm gonna read it one more time. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Had hey, you noticed this? He doesn't use the word friends here, but that is that you walk with. So whoever you walk with, whoever you do life with, whether or not you call them a friend, they're gonna impact who you are. So if you walk with wise people, godly people, you're going to become wise and godly. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. So it's not just that you become a fool if you walk with the ungodly, unwise people. It's that it actually causes you harm. Let's draw a quick little circle around an idea. This is not saying... You are never to do life with, you are never to walk with those who don't know Jesus. If we did that, no one would ever hear the gospel. That's a terrible idea, right? Jesus spent a lot of time with the sick and the hurting and the sinful. Actually, we're all sinful, so he always spent time with sinners. But you get what I'm saying there. But the idea is that who you're gonna surround yourself with and invest time and energy as a friend and really do life with, they're going to affect who you are. You could say the truth is this way. The friends I choose are the me I choose. That's really good English. The friends I choose are the me I choose. So think about this. Whoever you're surrounding yourself with, that's who you're gonna become like. Whoever you're hanging with, that's who you're gonna turn out to be. This is true whether you're 13 years old or 53 years old. This is how this works. The people you surround yourself with, that's who you become. Uh, Josh, you put up that picture on the screen. It's my dad in the uh, left hand corner. Shout out dad. Uh, um, He's looking at me like I'm a weirdo taking the picture. Even right now, I feel like he's kind of creeping on me. (laughs) But uh, this is back in, uh, it's actually, so where we grew up is like 10 minutes, or look where I grew up. Lauren can't quite claim this, but where I grew up uh, it's like 10 minutes south of Georgia. So technically we're in South Georgia right here. And my friend, Mr. Mitchell, uh, who's on the right, I, he was a small group leader in our youth group back in the day. But a couple of summers ago, Lauren and I, we got to go up to Mr. Mitchell's and he had a bunch of old friends together. And we had a big catfish fry, good times. And do you see here, one of these is not like the other. So we have dog, dog, dog deer, right? The funny thing, we pull up on that gravel road and the dogs come running and so does this deer. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, And if you know Mr. Mitchell, he is an avid hunter. So I'm like, how is there a deer just running around here? So we get out and start talking to Mr. Mitchell. I'm like, hey, what's that deer doing? He's like, you mean Bucky? He named his deer Bucky. Seems appropriate. And he said, yeah, we, long story short, um, it's actually kind of sad, not to like make you sad, but uh, they were driving home and the deer's Bucky's mom, Bucky, Bucky's mom had been hit by a vehicle and was no longer with us. And so dear heaven. And so, uh, Mr. Mitchell's wife, Teresa has a super big animal heart. And so she felt bad for little Bucky and took Bucky in. And the funny thing is because Mr. Mitchell has these three dogs, Bucky spends all its time with these dogs and y'all Bucky thinks he's a dog. <laughs> Like, you know how a dog comes up and like kind of rub against you, you can just pet it. That's what Bucky, Bucky, this deer, walk up, you just pet him, he was like laying down. I don't think he ever rubbed his belly, but like, you probably could rub his belly. I should note at this point, that was like three years ago, Bucky is now living in the wilderness. And I'm very curious to know how Bucky's doing since he thinks he's a dog, right? <laughs> like, how's that going for you, Bucky? I don't know. Um, but I thought it was such a simple picture, like even a little tiny Bucky deer, <laughs> he, hung out, he hung out with dogs, He thinks he's a dog. Who you hang out with will affect who you think you are. Not just how you act, but who you think you are. And the reality is who you think you are determines how you act. So the idea here, thank you, Josh. The idea idea here is really simple. Choose godly friends, (laughs) Choose to to surround yourself with people who like to dig into scripture. If you wanna be a person who is madly in love with Jesus, find some people who are in love with Jesus. (laughs) If you wanna be a person who delights in God's word, begin to build some friendships with people who delight in God's word because the friends you choose are the me that you choose. And the next proverb we're gonna look at kind of takes this idea even a little bit further. Turn over to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, we're gonna look at verse 17. This is a very familiar verse, but very helpful. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Read it one more time, because it's short. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Here's the idea. We refine each other, and we make each other better. This to me, this verse is proof to me that you and I, every single person, no one is exempt from this, every single person in this room was made, was crafted, was created, was built for community, for relationships. There's no Lone Ranger, Loner Christian. Let me rephrase that. There's no healthy, growing Lone Ranger, Loner Christian. You're built for community. You say, well, that seems like a stretch. It doesn't say that. Iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. This is saying God uses other people to shape us into who He created us to be. God uses friends to shape me into who He created me to be. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be lacking in who God wants me to be if I'm on my own because God uses people to shape me and refine me. Yes, the Holy Spirit, yes, God's word, absolutely. But he also uses people. I think that's why some of us felt stunted and stagnant when, I know we're still in the pandemic, but when it was like at its worst and we were all in lockdown and weren't meeting up here and all that stuff. Because when you're alone, it's hard to grow. We need relationships. So that means simple application you get in a small group. You're like, well, we haven't had small groups. Well, now they're back, so you can't say that. Get in a small group. Get in an accountability group. We're doing something with uh, our young adults. Tony's leading the helm there. Um, trail teams, where it's, it's like a little discipleship accountability group. I got to hear some of the guys on our trail team a month, last month talk about ways they were praying with their wives for the first time because of what we were talking about in our trail team. Growth. Came out of that sharpening, that time, in that trail team. You're built for community. And if I can lean into an idea here real quick, and I'll lean into something later. I'm not gonna, hopefully I don't forget. We have this phrase, I've said this phrase. We all have this phrase in our culture where we're like, you know, I just I just hadn't found community yet. Like I just, just hadn't found it. You don't find community, you build community. It's not an accident. It's kind of like my wife. Like, I think by God's grace, we met each other for sure, but we didn't just accidentally get married and fall in love. Like, I don't know, I just met her once. Next thing you know, we were married. It's weird. Like, no, it was time and investment. Just like, okay, good. To go back to the illustration in the text, the metaphor in this text, iron doesn't accidentally sharpen against other iron, right? It's not like, man, you know what? By golly, I got home after church and my knives had sharpened themselves which I don't think I've sharpened them in 10 years. So that's a problem. But anyways, you have to intentionally do it. You don't accidentally find community. You build community. So if you are tempted, like I've been tempted to be like, man, I just haven't found community. Maybe I should change churches or maybe I should do a different small group. Maybe it's not that you haven't found it. Maybe you haven't tried to build it. Some of you are smiling at me because you're like, dang it. <laughs> yeah time, intentionality, investment. It doesn't happen overnight and doesn't happen on accident. Now, thinking about this idea of, of iron sharpening iron and, okay, makes us better, could be some sparks involved. Sparks, conflict, can be a part of, or excuse me, not can be, is and should be a part of friendship. Turn to our next one. Turn to Proverbs 26. So just back a little bit. Proverbs 27, six, I think I said it wrong, 27 verse six. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse or abundant are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So I wanna start on the bottom half. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So abundant are the kisses. Enemy, don't just think the Taliban here, right? Like, The Taliban have never kissed me. I don't, this verse must not be true. No, the idea here is that an enemy, someone who doesn't have your best interest in mind, they're going to kiss you, meaning they're just gonna tell you everything's good, everything's fine, just tell you what you want to hear, to tell you what you feel like you should or deserve to hear. But a friend does the opposite. It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Some NIV says, trustworthy are the wounds of a friend. I love what Tim Keller says about this verse. He says, the phrase means that real friends tell each other things they need to hear even if they are painful. If you're too afraid to say what needs to be said, you are really an enemy of your friend's soul. Some of y'all are like me, You don't struggle with nurturing. You love to love and encourage people, but you have to kind of like pump yourself up to go and enter conflict and have those difficult conversations. But real friends, that's what they do. Their wounds, when they lean into a difficult topic or conversation with a friend, it's trustworthy. They're doing it out of love. Being, Being overly agreeable and just like, yeah, sounds good, I love it. Whatever you think, that's not a Christian. That's not what it is to be a Christian. To be a Christian says, we're gonna be united in the gospel, but I'm, I love you enough that I'm willing to disagree with you. See, friends don't just fight alongside you. They don't just fight with you and for you. They also, when you're making a fool of yourself and you're turning away from God, they fight against you. To say, bro, what are you doing? Do you have friends in your life that will fight against you? And are you the kind of friend who's loving enough that you'll even fight against people? The way we could say this is friends deal with with stinky stuff. <laughs> I warned uh, our friend Shanda over here. I was gonna talk about her in the sermon. Um, so when Laura and I, we moved houses about a year ago, right when the pandemic started. So I guess you can blame us, I don't know. Um, but uh, Shando was our realtor. And when that process got started, I remember uh, she called and she like, hey, so she had come and looked at our house, the house we're selling, looked at everything, everything looks good. She said, the one thing I would tell you, <laughs> it makes me laugh, sorry we've never talked about this. You're probably nervous right now. She said, the one thing I would tell you is, uh, it's not bad, but your dog Duval, there's a little bit of Duval smell in the house. <laughs> and she said, you might wanna, like, you probably wanna get that fixed before, before you sell the house. And if I'm totally honest, while I was not offended, I was kind of like, dang, she's making fun of my dog. Like, what is she doing? And, I'm, I, and I was even thinking, I don't think our house stinks. And uh, you know what, sure enough, like, there is kind of a Duval smell. Even, I met some friends over last night. Don't, don't you shake your head, yes. There's kind of a Duval smell. And you know what? I'm, I'm kind of messing with Shanda, but I'm super glad, I'm not messing about this. I'm super glad she told us about the Duval smell, though it wasn't atrocious. I'm really glad she told us because I wouldn't wanna still be trying to sell our house a year later because people were like, man, it stinks in there. Gosh, right? Like, no, I'm glad she was willing to say, you need, you need to do something about that. How ridiculous it would I've been if I'd have been like, you know what, Shanda? You don't know me. Forget you. <laughs> like, she'd be like, I'm just trying to help you, bro. <laughs> like, you know what? You don't understand my dog and what he's been through. So you can just mind your own business, okay? Like, no, she's trying to help us. <laughs> How many of us we we do that with our friendships? We've cut people off because they leaned in and said. Hey, there's some stinky stuff in this area of your life. I'm just concerned about it. How many of us have been like, "Man, forget you, bro. You don't. You don't know me. Maybe you don't talk. I don't talk like that either. I don't know why I'm talking like that. Y'all get what I'm saying, right? If you have a friend who's willing to tell you the truth, even when it may hurt a little bit, you should thank them. That's what community is. That's how we get better. That's how we sharpen each other. And you as a friend need to be willing to lean in sometimes and say, hey, I'm concerned about this area in your life. I love you, but I'm concerned. And you may push back and say, yeah, I've been hurt. Sometimes friends have been really, really harsh with me. Okay, I think a way to to look at that to provide some clarity here is, are they they really to see if they're good sparks or harmful sparks? Is, Is there fruit in your relationship? Is because of the difficult conversations in your life. Are you getting healthier? Are they getting healthier? Are you becoming more like Christ, even if it's painful? And if you are, those are good sparks. If it's pulling you away from Christ and causing you to, to think God has no hope for you, maybe those aren't healthy sparks. You with me? Another good thing is like, always check it with scripture. When someone says, hey, there may be some stinky stuff in your life, check it with scripture. See what, what scripture says about it. How different would your life be if you quit shutting out people who are actually willing to dig their hands into the dirt and the trash a little bit and help you out. Don't shut those people out. Friends deal with stinky stuff. <laughs> For our last one, I'll say that gets easier if you understand or live out this last truth. Turn turn to Proverbs chapter 18 verse 24 eighteen verse twenty four says a man obviously this applies to a woman too a man of many companions may come to ruin but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother a man of many companions and many friends, you may come to ruin. So you may have a lot of friends around you, but when life gets difficult, as many as there may be, that might not actually be enough to support you and bring you through that difficult time. But there's an alternative. alternative. It says, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So the idea is, it's better to have one friend who will stick close to you even in the midst of difficulty and hardship and walk through that with you, that's better. You're less likely likely to experience ruin and fall apart if you have that one close friend than the many, many, many friends who you don't really have that deep of a relationship with. You can say it this way. Quality of friendships is more important than quantity. Quality, strong, intimate friendships is more important than having a billion friends. So the idea is that friendship is not the same as popularity. Some of you, like, you're popular, you know a lot of people, that doesn't mean you have friends. And actually, when I say that, I don't mean that condemning, you know, you know that and that you're worried about it. And most, a lot of popular people, they're insecure because they realize they don't have any good friends. So this is not an excuse for clicks, I should say that, this is not an excuse for like, you know what, quality is more, in, more important than quantity, so you're not getting into the inner circle. Like, that's not, I had a, a, one of my buddies in middle school, someone came, I've told this story before. When he was in middle school, a guy came to him and said, hey man, I like to keep my friends my friend circle tight. And so every year, I put on my friends' names in a hat and I take one out and Robbie, this year I took your name out and so you're dead to me. Like, and uh, so yeah, that's why middle school ministry is so important because stuff like that happens. Um, th- we're not talking about that, but that you are intentional, invest in some solid, Relationships, And that actually prevents you from coming to ruin when you have some solid friendships around you. Quality is more important than quantity. I'll illustrate it this way. I don't know if y'all have noticed, Lubbock can sometimes get a little windy. Y'all have noticed? Sometimes the wind blows. It's weird. I've just kind of 10 years figuring that out. Um, so when you buy patio furniture or a little like for your apartment, you got a little spot for some furniture, you could go and invest in a lot of furniture And just get some cheaper, lighter furniture, but you can get a lot of it, so you have all these places for people to sit. Or you could go invest in some kind of heavy duty furniture that's literally heavy. You may have less of it, but it's heavy. In Lubbock, I'm gonna be in this camp all day, every day, (laughs) because if not, your chairs will end up being your neighbor's chairs. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Like I remember at our old house, one time somebody's trampoline ended up in the other person's yard. Like Merry Christmas, I don't know. Like here's a trampoline because the wind was blowing. Think about this picture. If you have a lot of people you're acquaintances with that knowing you've invested deep time, vulnerability vulnerability in, when the wind blows in life, you're gonna be left sitting alone. But if you invest take the time and intentionality and be vulnerable to invest in some deeper relationships, not to the neglect of other people, but to invest in deep relationships, even when the wind blows, you're gonna be left sitting with some other people to sit with you in the storm. Quality over quantity. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Application, go deep. Spend time. Invest. Remember that speed is the enemy of depth. You have to, excuse me, you have to slow down to make quality friendships. I would say too, I don't have people in mind, so if you think I'm talking to you, I may be talking to you, but I don't know who you are. I've seen it too much to not know this to be true. Too often, People jump from church to church trying to find the best of everything. Oh, I love hearing this. I love, I love seeing them. I love this small group. And those people, one, are typically the people that say, I haven't found community. And the problem is you've not sat still long enough to build community. And the second thing is you've got all this quantity of friendships and people pouring into you, but nothing is quality. And then you wonder why Hardship comes and you fall apart, or you wonder why as a college student you graduate college, and you're like, Man, I never really plugged in anywhere. Stop running around and bouncing around and just plant your feet into a community and build community. Can I get an amen? <laughs> as we close, some of you are are, are thinking about verse 24. and you feel pretty lonely right now. Maybe not because of the whole quality, quantity thing, but you're going, man, I'm going through some stuff. I don't know if I have somebody that sticks closer than a brother. I want to remind you that you do have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And if you don't, you can have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus Christ came to this earth and was stuck on a cross so that he could stick with you. (laughs) He was stuck to a cross so that nothing could come between you and him. Nothing could ever separate the love that you have or is yours in Christ Jesus. He is the ultimate friend who you didn't choose him, he chose you in spite of how wicked and sinful you are and how wicked and sinful I am. He chose you. Think of how cool that is. Jesus says, I want that, I want, I want Wilson to be my friend. I love you, Wilson. <laughs> I wasn't picking on you. I want Andre to be my friend. He chose you. Jesus is the kind of friend... <laughs> iron sharpens iron, man, he's gonna sharpen you. (laughs) He's gonna grow you. He's gonna challenge you. He's gonna form you into who he created created you to be. Jesus is the kind of friend who is going to deal with the stinky stuff. And here's the reality. So many of your friends, even your best friends, you know that if they knew the thoughts that go on in your head and the desires you have in your heart, they'd be like, you're a psycho, I'm out of here, right? Jesus sees to the inner depth of your most inner being and says, I love you completely to the point of death. And certainly he sticks closer than a brother. He promised he would never leave nor forsake you. Jesus is the ultimate friend. So the the call this morning is to one, revel in the friendship of Jesus and two, to resolve to be a friend like Jesus. To revel in that he loved me in spite of my sin and resolve I'm going to love people with the kind of love that Jesus has for them. If you're here this morning, you're watching online and you don't know Christ, know that he offers more than friendship. He offers forgiveness and salvation and hope and eternal life. If you will simply confess your sin to realize that you add nothing to your salvation but your sin, to cause, the need for it, as Jonathan Edwards said, and say, Jesus, I, I, I need forgiveness. Would you forgive me and be the Lord and savior of my life? And in that moment, you come into a relationship with him and he, you get to be a friend of God. If you do that this morning, we'd love for you to touch base with us online or um, after the service, there'll be some pastors down front with a little red lanyard on that would love to talk with you about your decision to come into a relationship with Christ. And if you are already a Christian, the challenge is to rejoice, to revel in the fact that he calls you friend because of the cross. And to also in this moment resolve to be a friend like Jesus. The worship team is gonna come on up and I'm gonna pray for us. And I want you to consider how you need to respond before we sing. Jesus, we are grateful for the gift of friendship and the fact that bad friendships (laughs) point us to how much better you are and good friendships just are a glimmer of the great incredible friend you are God I pray for those that don't know you this morning that you would draw them to yourself and they would be bold enough as soon as the service is over to come and talk with one of the pastors down front if they're watching online to click that connect button or click that um, message button and let us know that they're surrendering their life to you coming to a relationship, a friendship with you by your grace. And Lord, I pray that as believers, we would just rejoice in who you are and your goodness. God, we, we would resolve to show others the kind of friend that you are. God, we love you and ask that you would speak to us as we worship during this song. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.